As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday, the 5th of December. I'm Michael Bailey and today we're asking... Could Newcastle really sign David De Gea? He is available. It has been suggested that Newcastle are looking into this. Is Wilder set for a wild Premier League return? He is a fan's favourite. They'll hope that Bramall Lane will be galvanised. And what's at stake for the Lionesses as they reach Olympics crunch time? The competition's finalists will join France as Europe's three Olympic representatives. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. Plenty has already been said about Newcastle's injury problems this season, but they hit a new low at the weekend. Goalkeeper Nick Pope dislocated his shoulder during the win over Manchester United. He's now facing surgery and at least four months on the sidelines. David Ornstein is the Athletics football correspondent and he's with us now. David, this is a big blow for Newcastle. What are they likely to do about it? It's a massive setback, Michael. This is a player signed by Newcastle for £10 million from Burnley and he's been an unmitigated success. He's been integral to their rise uh, and now they're going to have to do without him for a significant period of time. Well, they have two other elite goalkeepers at the club in the form of Martin Dubravka. Failing that, they've got Loris Karius, who of course was goalkeeper at Liverpool and played for Newcastle in the League Cup final against Manchester United last season. The third option is Mark Gillespie. That's their three senior pros available to Eddie Howe in the absence of Nick Pope. So there's a few Manchester United links in there and and I suppose there's another one because one goalkeeper who's been without a club since the summer is David De Gea. What are the chances he ends up at St James's Park? I've seen it speculated on. Uh, he is available, having left Manchester United at the end of last season. It has been suggested that Newcastle are looking into this. It wouldn't surprise me if he is a name that has been floated internally at this early stage, and I'm sure some others have too. But we've got no evidence to suggest this is something they are actively exploring or pursuing at this point in time. But there is no doubt that they will be opening their eyes to options on the market. And so it's plausible that a goalkeeper comes in. Whether that's David De Gea, we just do not know at this point. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, now, while we've got you on, David, Sheffield United, they were thrashed 5-0 in the Premier League at Burnley on Saturday. What's been the fallout from that? The fallout is that the manager, Paul Heckingbottom, has lost his job. It was a decision that was relayed to me on Monday morning. At the time of recording, we still don't have confirmation, but as I understand it, uh, the matter is now with the League Managers Association. So that will be about finalising the terms of severance and confirming the wording of statements. The firm expectation is that Chris Wilder will be returning to the post for his second spell as manager at Sheffield United. He's also been a player for the club too. He was last seen very briefly at Watford. He is a fan's favourite. They'll hope that Bramall Lane will be galvanised by the return of Chris Wilder. What a remarkable story that is. I have to say, this would be the first Premier League sacking of the season and it's December. Uh, are owners becoming a bit, a bit more patient with their managers? There are various factors involved in a trend such as this. Maybe it's an anomaly, by the way. We might see a flurry now and might be replicated in future years. But by this point last season, five had gone. There are other matters, players bedding in. Ownership level matters and various other circumstances that has brought sympathy and time and understanding from the hierarchies, the owners of these clubs. I think multiple factors have combined to get us to this point, but that's not to say things won't change quite dramatically as the weeks and months go on and the pressure ratchets up. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Thanks to David there. Another big moment from the Premier League weekend came at the Etihad Stadium, where referee Simon Hooper cancelled his call of advantage in added time, despite Jack Grealish being through on goal against Tottenham. It finished 3-3 moments later. Manchester City's players, well, certainly Erling Haaland, got a bit annoyed with all that. Senior writer Oli Kay is with us now. Oli, lots of us have seen the images from the Etihad. What's been the fallout from the Football Association? Well, the FA announced on Monday afternoon that they've charged Manchester City with a breach of FA Rule E20.1, which, as we all know, is the paragraph in the FA Rules which requires each club to ensure that its directors, employees, officials, servants and, yes, players do not behave in a way which is improper, offensive, violent, threatening, abusive, indecent, insulting or provocative. And I think we can probably agree that um, at least one of those... um, lines was crossed on on Sunday. So this is a charge for the club, not for Erling Haaland or Mateo Kovacic. This is purely a charge for the club. Does that mean there won't be any individual charges? Yes, apparently there will be no individual charges. The FA feel that no further action is needed against Erling Haaland. And I've got to say, I'm really shocked by that, given the, the profile of the incident, but also particularly given the nature of the incident. They feel that no no line was crossed, clearly. And um, given that some of the things we've seen players and coaches charged for, rightly, I was expecting Ireland to be charged. Well, we'll see how similar incidents this season and how dealt with. So what's the likely outcome from here for Man City? A smallish fine is is what I can 
fairly confidently say will be the outcome. These things have have happened fair, not not regularly. The idea is that clubs might do it once, teams might do it once, and then they and then they learn from it, and and and, um, and it doesn't happen again. Manchester United had a charge and were fined for surrendering referee during their FA Cup quarterfinal against Fulham in March. City themselves were charged, as were Arsenal, um, following a game at the Emirates last February. And on that occasion, City were fined seventy-five thousand pounds. Arsenal slightly more because it was a second offence in fairly quick succession so I would expect City to be uh, to face a slightly uh, higher fine this time and I would also expect them simply to admit the charge. I appreciate it was a mistake by Simon Hooper but this doesn't feel like much of a deterrent or a way to enhance the respect of officials in future? No I I mean the 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 charge for for the club is, is about doing that it's about telling the clubs that you have a responsibility to ensure that your players behave. And I'm not sure the FA have really gone about it the right way, in, in a way that will send out a, a message. A club fine doesn't really seem to make much of an impression. Whereas I think a player missing a game, that will that will impact on people, that will impact on fans, that will impact on their FPL teams. And it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't imagine would be repeated. But a fine, you know, a fine for the club, a small fine in the in the grand scheme of things, I don't think really does make much of an impact. I'm sure Manchester City as a club would rather would be happier paying that paying that small fine than than losing one or two of their players to a ban. That was Ollie Kay. Now, I appreciate we're speaking a lot about the Premier League today, but that's because there's a lot of it about. In fact, there's a whole set of midweek fixtures, 10 of them over the next three days, starting tonight when Wolves host Burnley. Then, leaders Arsenal aim to prove they've really changed by not slipping up in the inauspicious surroundings of Luton Town's Kenilworth Road. You can watch those two games from 7.30pm on Amazon Prime in the UK with Luton versus Arsenal live on Peacock in the US from 3.15pm Eastern. And there are going to be even more Premier League games live on UK TV screens from the 2025-26 season. Yeah, I know that's a while away yet, but the long and short of it is that Sky and TNT Sports have agreed an increased £6.7 billion four-year rights deal of at least 215 games. The only ones that won't be shown live in the UK will be those kicking off at 3pm on a Saturday. There's a big and possibly questionable game tonight. That's in the inaugural Women's Nations League when Scotland host England. Charlotte Harper is in Edinburgh ahead of the action. Charlotte, it's a bizarre one tonight. Can you tell us why? It's a bizarre one because England are playing in the Nations League and they're playing against Scotland tonight. And Nations League, new competition, very important that they top that group, mainly because Olympic qualification depends on them getting through to the semi-finals. If they win the semi-finals, they go through to the finals. The competition's finalists will join France as Europe's three Olympic representatives or the third place team if Olympics hosts France reach the final. So we've got Olympic qualification, but also topping the group will influence Euro 2025 and the pot that they're put in for that competition as well. Exactly that. And with the Olympics, it's qualification for England, but essentially for Team GB. And they are coming up tonight against Scotland, who are also in Team GB. And that's the bizarre bit, is that England have to win and Scotland have a say in whether they 
win or not. And there will be some Scottish players. To be honest, it's probably only Chelsea's Aaron Cuthbert who has a shot of making the Team GB squad. But if Scotland beat England or England don't beat Scotland by a big enough margin, then they have a say in whether England qualify for the Olympics. Team GB and Scottish players will want to be in that Team GB squad. So what are the possible scenarios tonight? So England must win, full stop. They have to win to top the group. If the Netherlands beat Belgium, England have to beat Scotland by at least a three-goal margin so that they have a better goal difference than the Netherlands. So, for example, if the Dutch win by two goals, England must win by at least five. What has Serena Wiegmann had to say about it all ahead of this evening? Well, there's been questions around integrity given Scotland's influence uh, over England's uh, progression. She said that there's no way Scotland are just going to allow goals in and just roll over for England. She's alluded to the rivalry between the two nations. Football's football, she said. Both teams want to win. Let's just leave it at that. That's the way. Love it when a manager gets uh, closes things down. So what would be the consequences, Charlotte, if England don't make it? Some say it's big consequences because Team GB, and let's be honest, it will be an England majority squad because they have the best players. So the Lionesses would be out of the conversation in a big tournament. The Olympics is taken very seriously in the women's game. It's not an under-23 tournament like the men's. You've got big hitters already qualified like the US, Canada, Colombia. And to be an Olympian as well, I spoke to Ellen White about it. It's it's a real honour. It's a different kind of competition that athletes take very seriously. Thanks, Charlotte. And you can watch that one on the BBC in the UK from 7.45pm. And that's all for today's briefing. One last bit of good news. The Athletic has got a holiday gift sale running until January the 1st. That's one year and two year gift subscriptions discounted to $19.99 and $39.99 respectively. Just head to theathletic.com slash gift sale. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Tim Spears will be with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great Tuesday. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.